steal a line from Brother Ben here, if I could beg your indulgence for a second. Um, families are important to this congregation, I, and uh, this is a milestone moment in the lives of a lot of our family members, and that graduation is just a couple of days away. And so something that we like to do as we celebrate with our families is recognize those that are graduating from high school. And uh, you can also see that there's at least one college graduate that's named in the, the sheet that's, that's there. But we do celebrate with all those that are graduating uh, in this, this semester. But we're going to ask our uh, graduating seniors to come up. They are going to share with you just a little bit uh, who they are, who their parents are, and, and what their postgraduate plans are. Um, and we're going to have a couple things for them. Uh, and so if, if you all would, guys, come on up here. Hello, my name is Nate Lear. I'm the son of Brent and Kim Lear, and I plan on attending Murray State University and majoring agriculture business. I'm Eden Hadley. I'm the daughter of Chad and Amy Hadley, and I will be attending Murray State University to major in nonprofit leadership studies. <clears throat> My name is Will Knopfsinger. My parents are Terry and Christy Knopfsinger. I'll be attending Transylvania University to play basketball and start their pre-med program. My name is Brittany Ellis. My parents are Jason and Beth Ellis. And next fall, I'll be attending Madisonville Community College and majoring in nursing. Grace Vincent. My parents are Jeff and Kim Vincent, and I plan on going to cosmetology school. My name is Lee Abbott. My parents are Tim and Rhonda Abbott, and I plan to go to WKU to major in mechanical engineering. My name is Haley Harris. I'm the daughter of Darren and Lisa Harris, and I plan to attend WKU to major in dental hygiene. My name is uh, Eli Williams. I'm son of Steve and Linda Williams, and I'm going to UK to study in uh, computer engineering. My name is Caitlin Keeling. I'm the daughter of Jonathan and Emily Keeling, and I intend to pursue a degree in intercultural studies at Spurgeon College this fall. Um, guys, you can tell that this is a bright and talented group. Um, as you all would, when you leave, grab a, a, C, a DVD, which is uh, what we're getting ready to watch, and then one of these books. I've given this book away every year for several years, and um, it's, a, it's a book that I read when I was about your all's age, and it made a big difference in my life, helped solidify my faith quite a bit before I went to, to college and had a lot of other truths taught to me, and you all are going to really be hit with that hard in the years to come. 
Uh, let's pray for these young men and women. Um, let's uh, extend our, our uh, prayers up for them. Father, I thank you for these guys and these girls, and, and Lord, what a blessing they are to so many of us as a church family. We celebrate with them, and we celebrate with their families. God, as they go on to the next stage of their lives, we pray that, that you would um, just guide each and every one of their steps. Lord, that uh, you would convict their hearts on Sunday mornings if they uh, are wanting to sleep in or not attend a, a service where they live. But God, I pray that you would continue to guide them as they walk with you, Lord. I pray that you would open our eyes to way that we, ways that we can still minister to them and, uh, Lord, that we can help them in the next stages of their development and their growth. Help them in their studies. Help them in the, the relationships that are, they are getting ready to make. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that they would not falter as, as the statistics show. So many uh, walk away from the church. God, we our eyes are open to that. We know that that is a real possibility, and we pray that you would lay it on their hearts, that they would um, find a place that they can get plugged in, like campus ministry or, or whatever it is, God, that you would continue to develop their walk with you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the things you've already done, and we look forward to seeing what you do with them in the future. And Father, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Graduates, we are so proud of you, and our thoughts and prayers go with you as you enter the world and make a difference and make it a better place. Amen. We believe you're going to do that, and uh, our, our thoughts and our prayers are with you as you do. It is uh, great to be back with you, church, after having to be out last Sunday, being called uh, away very suddenly uh, to, uh, to, to my grandmother's bedside as we got word that she did not have much longer with us here on earth. And so family was called in. Uh, we took off and uh, we were able to make it in time to see her uh, before she went to be with the Lord. And I certainly appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate your prayers. Uh, appreciate Brother Bob who filled in on a very, very short notice so that I could be with my grandmother in those last few moments. And I appreciate him very much uh, bringing the word last week. Uh, when you lose someone you love, um, it, it kind of can cause you to, to, to stand still in your tracks a little bit and just kind of contemplate your own life and uh, contemplate, uh, I guess, your own priorities. And, and are, you, are you making the most of, of life? And certainly for me, uh, this has been a time to just reflect upon my grandma's life, what she meant to me, what she meant to us, and then just think about uh, my own life. And, uh, and just asking the Lord to help me make the most of the one life that He has given me. And it connects really with our Sunday morning sermon series here, fix, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because uh, we only get one of these. We only get one life. And it's important that uh, we live it for the purpose that we've been made. That we live it for the glory and for the honor of the living God. And this morning... We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that I think is going to challenge us a little bit to make sure that we're truly making the most of the moment. That we're truly making the most of this one life that God has given us. We're going to be looking at a passage in which two people were in a very, very special moment. One of those people was distracted in that moment one of those people was captivated in worship in that moment. If you have a Bible with you, 
Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke this morning. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And uh, find your way to verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. We're going to look at verses 38 through 42. A passage about Mary and uh, Martha. Sisters who welcomed and entertained Jesus into their home. So Luke chapter 10 38 through 42. A little bit of background here. Um, We believe that uh, Mary and Martha here, sisters, were sisters of Lazarus. We read about Lazarus in John chapter 11. He's not mentioned in this passage. But uh, their home was in Bethany. It was two miles east of the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus and his disciples are guests into Mary and Martha's home. So they have an incredible And a very beautiful opportunity to welcome the Son of God into their home. And the Bible says in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Passage before us details one person who is distracted, and one person who is captivated. One person who is distracted, and one person who is captivated. And the question that I'll ask us in the time that we have this morning is, what kind of life are you leading? What kind of life am I leading this morning? Am I a person who's distracted by the things of the world? Or am I a person who's captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I living a distracted life? Or am I living a captivated life? I want you to look in your Bible, if you would, first of all, at Martha. Martha is distracted in this passage. We see that she does well, certainly, to invite Jesus and the disciples into her home in verse 38. But in verse 40, it appears that she is pulled away from where she really wants to be by all of the preparations. Preparations for a meal, preparation tidying up the home. The word distracted in the Greek is a word that means to be pulled away from where you really want to be. And so the the Greek language here allows us to understand that, that Martha really wants to be with Jesus. But she is pulled away by all of the preparations. Martha approaches Jesus as his counselor, as his advisor. And 
says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all of the work by myself? Would you tell her to help me? And she's expecting Jesus to come to her aid, to defend her. In fact, once again, the Greek language here is such that Martha's expecting a positive reply. In other words, the way that she calls upon the Lord to step up and defend her, it's, it's Greek language that, that tells us that she's expecting him to say, yes, absolutely, that's the right thing. But she must be shocked when Jesus doesn't come to her defense. Look in verse 41. Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about, notice this church, many things. But few things are needed. I think the key to understanding this passage this morning is in that phrase, you're upset or you're worried about many things. You see, there's certainly nothing wrong with the fact that Martha's preparing the meal and that Martha wants to have the house ready. But the language here is a, a, a word in which she has too many things that she is distracted by. In other words, she's going over the top in her preparations. In other words, she's working too hard on the meal and she's working too hard on the home that she's worried and that she's stressed out about too many things. And all of that while Jesus, the Son of God, is in her home and he's on his way to Jerusalem and he soon would be crucified. Martha was distracted and pulled away from what mattered most in the moment. She wasn't doing anything bad. It's just that she could have been doing something better. And this passage reminds us this morning as we look in the mirror in our own life, and I've, you've heard me say this before, that sometimes it's not the bad things that pull us away from the Lord's will. It's not the bad things that pull us away from what we ought to be doing. But how many of you know that good stuff can be bad stuff if it pulls, away, pulls us away from the best stuff? Did you hear that? Good stuff can be bad stuff if it pulls, away, pulls us away from the best stuff. And here in this moment, it is Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus who has chosen to worship in this moment. She is the one who's chosen best. My question this morning is, are you captivated in worship to Christ? Or are you distracted by the things of the world? It's easy to be distracted. There's a lot to distract us in this world. All kinds of gadgets out there to pull away our attention. Good things, they're not necessarily bad things. Whether it is television and making sure that we're caught up on all of the shows, the sitcoms that we're watching. Maybe it's social media, things like Facebook or Twitter that occupy all of our attention. And there's not a thing wrong with those things unless there's too much of that. It's very easy in our day and age to be overwhelmed and distracted by gadgets that pull us away from what is most important and the way that Christ has called us to live our life. You ever been you ever missed out on something, huh? You ever messed up or missed out on something because you have been distracted? I was reading a Reader's Digest article about a woman who uh, back years ago uh, in the, the 90s was in an ice cream shop and uh, there in the ice cream shop 
she turned around as she was getting her ice cream cone and as she was getting her change back from the purchase, she turned around and she was staring there right next to her face to face with Paul Newman. Now I should say not our Paul Newman. who's a deacon in this church, right? Not our Paul Newman. And I don't want to say the Paul Newman because our Paul Newman is the Paul Newman. Can I get an amen this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but she was standing face to face, can I say it this way, with the other Paul Newman. And Paul Newman is uh, reputed to be a, a, a very handsome man, By the way, our Paul Newman is a very handsome man, amen? (laughs) I better watch myself here in this moment. A very handsome man, he's won all kinds of Academy Awards, and she was just starstruck in this moment. Well, she walked out of the ice cream shop, and she realized that she had forgot her ice cream in the ice cream shop. And so she turned around, she made her way back in, and who do you think she met at the door on the way out? Paul Newman. And she said, uh, he, he said to her, he said, did you forget something? She said, oh yeah, I, I left my ice cream up on the counter. And he said, no you didn't. You put it in your purse with your change. <laughs> Distracted, huh? Distracted and messed up in the moment. And that's a good example of what's happening with Martha in this passage. Martha is distracted. And again, Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to prepare your house for guests. He's certainly not saying it's wrong to prepare her home for the Son of God. This was Jesus and 12 preachers. How many of you know that they can consume a lot of food? Amen? And so there's a lot of preparation here, but the terminology in the language that she's distracted by all the preparations, I kind of hear that tone when I read this. And that Jesus says, Martha, you're upset about many things. It's a word that means you've got too much on your plate and you're overdoing it and you're missing out on the best because of All the good stuff that's dominating your attention. The question is, is that the story of your life today? Could that be the story of my life? That I'm missing out on the best things in life because I'm distracted by a bunch of things that maybe are good. I'll close with this. Jesus points our attention off of Martha and on to Mary. If you look with me in your Bible, not only when Martha comes to Jesus and says, would you come to my defense? Not only does Jesus not come to her defense. And and by the way, I want you to look again at at where Mary's at. You probably picked up on this when, when I read the text. Verse 39. Verse 39 Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. And he's, she's listening to what he's saying. And so she's there in a humble place. She's there in a place of worship. She's there listening to the Lord. She's there allowing the Lord to pour into her life. And I just see her captivated in worship. 
I just see her mesmerized in worship. I, I just see her recognizing what a special moment this was, that she was in the presence of Jesus. She was in the presence of the King of Kings. She was in the presence of the Lord of Lords. And there was nothing going to pull her away from that. She understood how precious that moment was, worshiping Jesus and being in the presence of Jesus. And then when Martha offers this complaint, not only does Jesus not come to her defense, look at what Jesus says. When Martha says in verse 40, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, in a very tender way, by the way, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and you're upset about many things. Again, too, too many things. You, you are overdoing it, is what Jesus is saying. In this moment, you, you've got me in your presence and you're overdoing all the preparation. He says, but few things are needed. He says, in fact, and what he's saying is right now, there's only one thing that matters. And Mary's chosen what's better. And Jesus says, I am not going to take that away from her. Mary is captivated. Mary is worshiping. Mary understood what I wish I could get the whole nation and the whole world to understand. And that is, we are made for worship. We are made for the presence of God. We're made to listen to Him. We're made to live humbly before Him. We're made to be in His presence. And there's no sense of fulfillment out in that world for us. That, that fulfillment is found only in and through a growing personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish I could get the whole world to understand that and the whole world to believe that. I thank God for worship. I thank God for an opportunity when we're going through a valley, when we're going through a tough spot in life to be able to get in His presence. It might be that we're just at home in the morning or at night and we're in the Word of God. We're sitting before Jesus might be that we're in that small group study being sharpened by, by the iron around us, right? And sharpened by the Word of God. It may be midweek worship when it's been a stressful, difficult week and, and we're able to show up and be encouraged by the fellowship of one another and be in the Lord's presence. Maybe it's Sunday morning. Maybe it's gathering together with the people of God and being able to just sing to the Lord and just sense the power of His Holy Spirit working and moving in this place and holding our hand and sometimes, by the way, picking us up and just carrying us. Our Lord is worthy of our worship. And my heart breaks as a pastor, and I'll begin to head to a close. My heart breaks as a pastor that worship doesn't matter in our nation like it used to matter. I'm going to go a step further. Church and gathering with the Lord's church it doesn't matter like it used to matter. And, 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 and I want to encourage all of us on this, on this day that we gather on this graduation Sunday. 
Um, I want to encourage us by a passage that we all need to hear. It's Hebrews chapter 10. It'll be on the screen for you. Uh, Brother Brian, I appreciate his encouragement to our graduates to continue to worship. When, when you leave the home and go off to college, continue to worship. Continue to be in God's presence. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I just want to encourage us like Mary to get in the presence of the Lord and to make it a priority. There, this video, watching these graduates grow up and seeing their baby pictures, even though I wasn't here to see them as babies, it's a difficult video to follow, to be honest with you. Because I got babies growing up in my house. And they grow up so fast. And, and can I just encourage us this morning, number one, to remain faithful to worshiping the Lord and being in church. And those of you that have young children that you say are long off from graduating, keep them in church. Remain committed to the church. Recognize, realize, and don't ever forget that the greatest gift that we can see God give our children before they leave the home is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more important than that. And I thank God for our, our children and how, how we are making a difference here at Second Baptist through instructing our children and, and helping them get into the presence of Christ and worship Him. Our, our kids are so moldable. They're so malleable. They listen to what we teach them. I'll never forget when my son Noah was three, maybe almost, maybe about, maybe almost four years old. One day out of nowhere, he looked up at his mother and he said, Mommy... I have beautiful eyes. And she said, well, well, you, you do, I agree, I, you do. She said, but where did you hear that? And he said, from all the ladies. She said, all the ladies where? And he said, at church. And we begin to follow up, and you know who was telling him that? The ladies who keep the nursery. The ladies who keep the nursery were speaking that into his life, and he came to believe it. He does have pretty eyes, by the way. <laughs> Embarrass you real good, right, buddy? Our kids are listening. They're watching, and they're listening. Let's help get them in the presence of the Lord. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When all of the nation, right, is running away from the Lord, when we see tragedy after tragedy, we saw another, tra and I, I am closing, I promise, but we saw another, yet another tragedy in one of our schools this week in Santa Fe, Texas. And my question is, when is this nation going to wake up and get back where we need to be. And that's in the presence of the Lord. We need revival in this land is what we need. And I understand the talk out there. And don't get nervous. I'll be sensitive. I understand the talk out there when these things happen. It all turns to gun control. 
And I'm going to tell you, I think every one of us would be for making sure that there's background checks, better background checks. I think we would all, I think most of us would agree, maybe not everybody, that there are certain high-powered weapons that the average person just simply doesn't need. Our military needs them. The average person to go hunting just don't need those kind of weapons, all right? Now that I've said this, let me say this. Our problem in America primarily is not a gun problem. Our, our problem in America is primarily a heart problem. And we need revival in the land. And I really think it's as simple as getting away from all the distractions and being captivated by Jesus Christ once again. As we close this morning, here's my question. Are you living distracted by the things of the world? Or are you living captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ? Some of you might remember uh, the miracle on the Hudson. January the 15th, 2009. Uh, a movie was made about it uh, after the pilot, uh, Chesley Sullenberg. Uh, Tom Hanks played Sully. Um, but uh, 155 people aboard the U.S. Airways Flight 1549 was able to survive a watery crash landing. And it was a big news story, the miracle on the Hudson. But what you might not have heard about is just about seven months later, in August, uh, August of 2009, there was a tragedy on the Hudson. When an air traffic controller was distracted by a phone conversation he was having with a friend of his, there was a deadly mid-air crash between a tour helicopter and a small plane. And if this young man had have simply been paying attention, that crash could have been avoided. They went back and listened to the phone conversation and he was talking about nothing important. He was joking and cutting up and just having a good time. All the while, disaster was impending. He quickly hung up the phone when he recognized they were in one another's pathway just four seconds before the collision. It was too late and nine people were killed because he was distracted. This is the kind of person, I don't know his name, but this is the kind of person, if you would, lift up a prayer for him right now. I can't, I can't, imagine, having to, I can't imagine having to live with nine lives lost because of that. I can't imagine. So pray for that young man. But what an illustration of this. Tragic things happen when I'm distracted. Tragic things happen when you're distracted. What is it that's distracting you this morning? What's keeping you from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? What's keeping you from recommitting your life? What's keeping you from sharing Jesus in your workplace, in your neighborhood? What's keeping you from saying, Jesus, you're my all in all. I surrender all that I am. What's distracting you? What's keeping you from that? Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning as we enter into a time of invitation? I want you to picture Martha, busy, 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 distracted by all the preparations, all the work to be done. And just ask yourself, does that, does that look like me? Does that resemble my life in some way, shape, or form?
As you think about Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, she's in the presence of the Lord. She's listening, she's learning, she's obeying, she's surrendered. She, tell me more, Lord. Pour into my life, Lord. Lead me, Lord. I'm here to worship you, Lord. Does that look like your life? Jesus says in this passage that it was Mary who had chosen the better thing. My prayer this morning is that we would choose the better thing. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that the gospel, the Bible, is that you came from heaven to earth to lay down your life for our sins. That you were crucified for our sins. That you bore the, the, the debt we owed God because of our sins. You paid the price. And he rose again on the third day. Lord, we surrender. Lord, be with the one who's never surrendered. Be with the one who's never trusted you, never given their heart, their life to you. Lord, in this moment, we pray you bring salvation. We pray you bring recommitment. You, we pray, God, that you would lead us to a commitment to be in worship, to be in your presence, to be in your word, to pray, to seek your face, to surrender. And Lord, may it begin in this moment. May it begin in this hour. May we choose the best things right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. This is our invitation time. It's an opportunity for you to, to do whatever God's calling you to do in terms of the commitment He's calling you to make. So whether it's salvation, whether it's a recommitment, whether you need a church home and God's been speaking to you and you know you need a church home and this is the moment, this is your hour, this is your time to choose the better things, the best things as we stand and as we sing. Would you come as we stand?